Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Brave Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. At the end of this talk, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook or Instagram, where you can get even more connected to what's going on in our community. But most importantly, we hope the following talk inspires you to take your next step in finding or following Jesus. All right, well, hey, it's Foundation Sunday. You guys pumped? I am. Are you? Let's hear it. Come on. My name is Samuel. I'm one of the pastors here. And we have been in a vision series for the last five weeks called It's Personal. And that ends today. So normally, we teach through books of the Bible. And every now and then, we take a break for a special series. And so this has been a vision series. And it's all been leading up to this day. And so the last seven days, in fact, we had seven days of prayer. Who's been praying with us? You guys been praying that? It's it's great, because we believe in the power of prayer, and we believe that prayer unifies us, and that when we pray and we talk to God, it changes things. And so today, uh, we're going to be talking about generosity, and today is a day for incredible generosity. So turn to the person next to you and say, how much are you giving? (laughs) Just kidding. It's okay if you don't want to do that. But I realize some of you are just joining us. Every Sunday, we have guests, people that are here for the first time. And so you may not know much about the vision that we have for 2019. And so we're going to go into that again towards the end of our time together. But just for reference, we have three major initiatives, our youth, our family, and our community. Every great vision requires great resources. And that means us being generous. If we want to build a great church and do the great things that God has planned for us, we have to be greatly generous people. But in a season for giving, it can kind of feel like there's a lot of people trying to get stuff from us, right? Everywhere we look, there's an opportunity to give or someone asking for something. Um, I, I saw the other day on social media, I guess, you know, now there's Cyber Monday, but now there's Giving Tuesday. And there was like a video after video and post after post of people asking me to give to stuff. And some of them were really great things to give to. And then, you know, Santa's outside of the store ringing his bell now. And almost every store you go to is asking you to round up, give a dollar or something to a different cause. And so, um, you know, that's good. Giving's good. But sometimes it can be a little frustrating because it's like everywhere. Someone's asking for something. And so a lot of times, I kind of ignore the things on the register that are asking, you know, dropping change in or for different things and stuff, because I've already decided where my giving's going. But something happened the other day that kind of caught me off guard. I went to the grocery store by my house, and there was a can on the register, and I just saw big letters that said MS. Now, if you don't know or, or you're newer, my mom has multiple sclerosis, and so it's an autoimmune disease. It's, it's a, a really ugly disease. And so I saw these letters, and so I read further, and it said, MS, fighting for a cure. And so, of course, I threw my change in, right? Like, if I had 100, they probably would have got it, because it was different. Something was different about this opportunity to give. Something was different about this can. What was different? It's personal. For a follower of Jesus, the cause of Christ is personal, It's why he came, it's why he died, it's what he gave his life for. And so the church is not just the number one plan or a good plan, it is God's plan for reaching the world with his love. It's churches everywhere. So far this year, over 250 people have decided to follow Jesus for the first time here at Brave Church. Isn't that awesome? This is people who attended a home church or came to a large gathering 
heard the message of Jesus, that he is a way back home to new life in Christ and made a decision that, that the Holy Spirit allowed their heart to be filled with faith in God and meet their creator. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And so one of the things I've been praying for, and I want to invite you to pray with me, is that 50 more people this December would decide to follow Jesus. Like, let's, let's keep going. We can, we can wind down to the end of the year, or we can ramp up, and we can have more faith, and, and we can grow, and we can reach out. And so we have Christmas Eve invitations that we want to give you on your way out. We want to invite our neighbors. We want to invite people and be generous with our invitations. And so you can be praying for that with us. But listen, it's up to us. It's personal. It's your family members it's your friends, it's your community, it's your neighbors. Maybe there's some people in your life that you've just about given up on. And maybe they had a bad experience with God or with faith and with, with church. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you've had a bad experience and it's kind of a miracle that you're here. Here's the thing. Most people's view of God is based on their last bad church experience. And so we're changing that here in the East Bay together. God is looking for people to be generous with their love, generous with their faith, generous with their time in serving others, and generous with their resources. And the more generous we are, the bigger an impact we can have together. The foundation of this church is going to be built on the gener generosity of many. So today we're going to look at a passage. It's in Mark chapter 12. And uh, it's a story about a widow, a generous widow. The title of this talk is Three Lessons from a Generous Widow. And Jesus himself is in the temple, and he's with his disciples, and he sees something, and it presents a teachable moment. Do we have any people watchers in the house? Uh, when I'm in an airport or at a coffee shop, sometimes I just get distracted thinking, who are they, and what are they about? You know, what's, what, what, what motivates them? What's their life about? What, what do they get excited about? And you can just kind of get lost watching people. And so Jesus is people watching, and he sees something. But he also sees an opportunity to teach his disciples something about how generosity works. And so we're going to look at this in Mark 12, verses 41 through 44. Um, I've said it before, but I love Mark's gospel because he was so concerned with the outsiders. He wasn't just talking to people that grew up the way he grew up or, or t talked the way he talked or hung out with the people that he hung out with. He was imagining people outside of his immediate circle of influence. He was imagining people that didn't know the things he knew or didn't speak the language he spoke. And we know this because he explained things that a Jewish audience would have just known. And so here's Mark, and he's writing this gospel. And check out this story. It says in verse 41, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. And calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. Now, the main point of this passage is not that God loves poor people, more than wealthy people, or that wealth is evil, okay? There are a lot of Christians that swing from one extreme to the other when it comes to their view of wealth. God either wants everyone to be super wealthy or he wants everyone to be super poor. But it's interesting when we think about this because the gospel, the message of Jesus, has an impact on our lives. It's a new way to live, and so it, it very much affects 
how we view our resources. But for a lot of people, what we do when it comes to this area is we, we define our comfort zone based on how much we have. Have you noticed that? So like if, if they have a lot more than I do, then I might feel differently about them or have different expectations. If they have a lot less than I do, then I feel differently about them or I have different expectations. And so that it, what it's created is these two different extremes of how the gospel is viewed. One is referred to as a prosperity gospel and another is referred to as a poverty gospel. So the prosperity gospel inserts this idea that, that we should all have millions. Like, we should all be rich. God wants everybody to be rich. And if you're not, then you're just not doing it right. Now, I'm going to be honest. There are days I wish it worked that way, right? Because I think I'd have more. But there's no scripture for that. And then there's this other side that's a poverty mindset, a poverty gospel, that if you've got, if your stuff is too nice, like, you can have this car, but if you buy this one, then you're probably worshiping your car, right? Like you probably are, are being driven by the wrong things or, or materialistic or whatever, whatever that is, that there's something else you should have done with that money, right? So this is a poverty gospel that goes way to the other extreme. But what we see here, if we're going to attach any adjective to the gospel in how we view our wealth and how we view our resources, what we see here is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is a generous gospel, See, Jesus knew more about generosity than anyone. He saw wealth and money through a completely different lens. In fact, you could say that Jesus is generosity. His life was a gift to humanity. And so God's goal for you isn't to be wealthy or poor. It's to be generous. Number one, generosity is measured by a principle, not a bank statement. Generosity is measured by a principle, not a bank statement. I love how Jesus' view of generosity, it cuts straight to the heart of the matter. It's shocking when Jesus says that this widow has given more than everyone else because the others gave out of their material wealth at little cost to their net worth, but the widow gave out of her poverty. She gave everything. Jesus is teaching them a principle. He's got his disciples right there, and he's saying, hey, in the kingdom of God, you're going to be evaluated by what you do with what you have, not how much you give. And so this is an important principle. It's not how many zeros are attached to your year-end contributions. It's how faithful you are to give what God asks of you. So for me, that's a relief. For some of you, that's very challenging because you have way more. You've been given so much. I remember the first time in my life when I really started to connect to the principle of giving. There's this principle in the Bible that talks about our giving and our generosity. And so I was 16 years old, and I got my first job. And I also started leading worship in our youth band. So I just started playing guitar, and I, I started saving for a guitar. I think I thought, like, hey, the nicer guitar I get, the better I'll play. Like, I don't know. I just thought that would help. And it uh, turns out it doesn't. But I'm, I'm saving up for my dream guitar. And so me and my buddies were going to Guitar Center, and we're playing, like, really nice guitars that we'll never be able to afford. And it's super fun. And then one day, I was there with my friend, Sean. Now, I've known Sean since we were 12. I'm the godfather to his first child, which is really cool, because I always wanted to be a godfather, <laughs> you know? And uh, don't ask for any favors. But we're hanging out, and we're playing. And he played bass in our, in our youth band, but he was a lefty. And he didn't have a left-handed bass, so he just took a right-handed bass, flipped the strings, and... It was just his makeshift solution. And so we're there, and for the first time, they had a left-hand bass in stock, and he got to play a bass that was made for him. And in that moment, I just knew I got to buy this for him. 
And it was an impulsive moment. I didn't think about it. It wasn't pre-planned. It was just this, this act of, random act of generosity. And so we're leaving. You know, he gets it. He's, he's really excited. He's pumped. And we leave. And then I'm broke again. And so I start saving for my guitar. And so, you know, some time goes by. And then I, I go to the Guitar Center with my friend Jason. And he's in our youth band, too. But he's got this electric guitar that um, is, is a gift from Satan. Because every time we're having the most beautiful worship moment, it just starts like feeding back and screaming. And we're like, what's going on here? And so we're there and we're jamming and he's playing this beautiful Fender Strat. And I have the same feeling like I got to buy this for him. And so I do. And I bought it for him and we left and we were pumped and I'm broke again. And so at this point, I'm telling God, hey, God, like, I'll still do whatever you say, but I'm only going to Guitar Center alone. (laughs) And so a few weeks go by, and I just start saving again. And then I get a call from a family friend. And he says, hey, Samuel, I heard that you're leading worship now. I just think that's awesome. And so I was praying for you, and God put it on my heart to buy you a guitar. And so he's like, I mailed you a check for $3,500. Now, I was 16, and that was 15 years ago. I'm thinking, where am I going to find a guitar that costs this much? Like, that's amazing. So the story doesn't end there. Eight years later, I've got this guitar, and I put it to great use, used it a lot. And and then I met up with a a friend, and he was, was wanting to borrow it to record a Spanish worship song. So my friend Evan has always had this dream, well, not always, but... At this time, he just started sharing it with me. Okay? He started sharing this dream of going all over the world and performing uh, worship songs in, in Spanish in Latin America. Now, Evan was a short white guy that knew no Spanish. And I say short, he's the same height as me. But I'm thinking, how are you going to do this? And to be honest, I just kind of thought, well, he couldn't make it singing you know, English, so now he's going to try to learn Spanish. Now he's going to try to learn Spanish. And... Uh, <laughs> But I thought, hey, you know what? I'm going to be a supportive friend. And so he asked me if he could borrow this guitar to record with. And so he borrows it, and he records his first song in Spanish. And so then we met up at a coffee shop for him to give it back to me. And so we had coffee, and then we go out to the parking lot. He pulls it out of the car, and I'm thinking, I got to give it to him. I know this guitar is no longer mine. And so I gave it to him. And he's he's played it with it all over the world now. Well, also at this time, there were two guys that were, were at the church that I worked at. One of them worked for Martin Guitars. And he gave me, after this, he gave me a John Mayer signature edition Martin guitar that was worth more than the guitar I gave away. And then this other guy who works for Gibson Guitars walks into my office one day holding a guitar case. And I'm thinking, what, what are you doing here, Tom? Like, what's the deal? And he says, hey, I just left the CEO of Guitar Center's office. I had this Les Paul that was custom made for him. And he was borrowing it for a year. And then he just expected me to give it to him. And that annoyed me. So I took it back and I just wanted to give it to you. <laughs> Luke six thirty-eight says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. When you're obedient to give away what God has given you, he gives you more. And I love this quote by Anne Frank. She said, no one has ever become poor by giving. 
So number one, generosity is measured by a principle, not a bank statement. It's not how much you give. It's how obedient you are with what God has given you. And number two, generosity tells God that we trust him. This widow was in a desperate place financially. She she didn't know what to do. But what does she do? She goes to the temple. Uh, Against the wall in this court, there were 13 trumpet-shaped collection receptacles for receiving free will offerings and contributions. So this was a place in the temple in one of the courts where they had these big trumpets, and you could come and you could throw money in as an act of worship. Now, to us in the you know, Western American church, we would think that is so weird because we already have issues with thinking churches are too much like businesses and stuff, right? So we're like, hey, we've got this room. You can come by and throw money in it. You're like, what? Right? But this was actually a beautiful thing that they stopped by whenever God put it on their heart that they just wanted to give. They didn't need a vision campaign. They didn't need a specific reason. It was just, hey, I trust God with my finances. And, and this woman comes to God, comes to the temple, and she's in her place of desperation and says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to place all my bets on God. I'm going to tell God that I completely trust you in my place of desperation. And so Jesus says that her giving was more impressive and meant more than everyone else who gave. See, everyone else gave out of their wealth. They gave out of their surplus. They gave out of their extra. But she gave everything. And what's really interesting and kind of mind-blowing about this, they had a rule that you had to give two leptas in your regular giving. But in this case, because it was this unique free will giving, you didn't have to do that. In other words, she could have kept a coin for herself, And she could have given one to God. But this is where her faith was. She gave everything she had to God. And so one of the areas that our trust is demonstrated so clearly is in our finances. Jesus talked about money 800 times. It was one of his most most talked about subjects. And I think that he talked about it so much because he knows just how much it affects all of our lives. When I think of wealth I think of it like a fire. A fire can be a really good thing. It can keep you warm and cozy on a rainy day. It can heat up water for coffee or tea. Fire is very useful, but it's also very powerful. It can ravage a forest. It can burn down homes. If we're not careful, it can burn us. So the solution to not being burned by the fire of wealth is giving. Giving is medicine for our soul. And it's one of the ways that we tell God that we see where all of this comes from and we trust you. There's a story about a man who was really wealthy. It's a true story. And he he was asked by the news why he was so generous. This was before guys like Warren Buffett and Bill Gates had pledged their whole fortunes. And so the media is very confused. Like, why is this guy giving so much? It doesn't make any sense. And this was his response. He said, I've got a big house and you see all that I'm giving that, and all that I'm, that I'm doing, and that's money that I'm shoveling out the back door. But what you don't see is all that God is dumping in the front door. And as long as God keeps dumping it in the front door, I'm going to keep shoveling it out the back. You may have a lot of money, or you may have a little. But the question for all of us is, does our generosity tell God that we trust him? So number one, generosity is measured by a principle, not a bank statement. And number two, generosity tells God that we trust him. And number three, generosity reveals what we love. Matthew 6.21 says, 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what do you treasure? What do you give to? Maybe you give to your family. Maybe you give to your friends. Maybe you give to things you're passionate about. Some people only give to things that give back to them. But God wants your treasure to be him and the things that he cares about, the things that matter to God. So write this down. If your heart's in it, you give to it. If your heart's in it, you give to it. Generosity reveals where our heart is. It reveals what we love. In other words, it shows the kind of heart that we really have. It shows if I have a selfish heart or an unselfish heart. Do I have a generous heart? Or like the Grinch, is it two sizes too small? (laughs) Giving and generosity reveals what my heart is really like. The Bible says that God uses money to test what's really inside of you. And he uses money to test and see if he can trust you with more. And he says, if you're faithful with little things, I'll give you more things. The Bible says, if you're faithful with that which is not your own, the things that I loan you while you're here on earth, I'll give you greater blessing in eternity. So you may not realize this, but the rewards and responsibilities that you'll have in heaven have to do with how you manage what you have and what you're given now. And that, that's a wild thought. That's a crazy way to live to see that this life is an investment for the next, an investment into eternity. Look at this next verse, Luke 16, 11. Jesus said, if you're untrustworthy with worldly wealth, meaning that you don't manage your money well or you're not generous with it or you're untrustworthy with worldly wealth, he says, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And the answer is no one. God won't even trust you. Your responsibility and rewards in heaven are gonna be built on how you handle what God gives you now. So what did you do with what you were given? Did you build your kingdom or did you build his kingdom? We follow Jesus. It's not just a bold statement. It's what we do. It's what we're about. It's what we're for. We wanna help as many people in our lifetime find and follow Jesus as possible. And think about it, why would we settle for any less? Why would we settle for any less than the most that God could do through us? The thing about settling is it usually happens when we bump up against sacrifice. Sacrifice is giving up the things that we like for the things that we love. And so we've got to settle this question in our hearts. Our generosity depends on whether or not we settle this question in our hearts. What do we love most? Do you love your neighbor as much as yourself? Your generosity reveals it because it's personal. So today we're responding to the vision that God's given our church for loving people in our community and our generosity will tell that story. The Bay Area needs a church like Brave. That's why we're laying a foundation. These are foundational things that we're giving to this year. And it's not about me. It's not about my dad. It's not about our family. It's about Jesus and the mission that he's given us to fulfill together. And so we're going to give, we're going to be generous, we're going to give big, because we're a generous people and we want to make a difference. We cannot hope to leave our children a nice faith that has very little impact. We must hope to leave them with a personal relationship with their creator and a faith that makes a difference. Now, if you're a guest with us today, I just want you to know right now that we're asking nothing from you. We don't ever guilt people into giving. We don't ever pressure people into giving. God doesn't do that. If it's on your heart and God tells you what to give, we actually want you to be prayerful about whatever God leads you to give. But I want to go over some of the things that we've put on this 
focus for this year and then share a little bit more. And then we're going to have a time, we're going to do something different. We're going to have a time to respond with our giving during worship with these buckets on the sides, just like in the temple court with Jesus and his disciples and the widow. We're going to walk up and just drop it in as we do that in our worship, as an act of worship. But I want to recap some of this. It's personal. Our youth, our youth, 85% of Jesus followers decide by age 18. 80% drop out of church when they go away to college. And the second leading cause of teen death in our community is suicide. And so what are we going to do? We're going to hire a youth pastor. And actually, January 6th, we're going to introduce you to our youth pastor. We've hired our youth pastor. And so we're really excited. And thank you for everyone who has been patient, but also everyone who's been praying with us because it's been a year-long journey with a bunch of incredible people that have applied and been involved, and, uh, but God has provided. And then we're going to build a youth program that stretches across the valley. It's going to be centralized and decentralized. It's not just for people right here in San Ramon, but we have people coming from cities all over the region. And so we're going to build a youth program that serves all of them. And then we're going to give the teen esteem And we're going to give to a new day for children. So Teen Esteem is an inroad to the campuses. A new day for children is a sex trafficking organization that fights sex trafficking. It doesn't just raise awareness, but it actually rescues and rehabilitates youth that are caught in sex trafficking in Oakland. So we're going to give to that. And then our families. The biggest needs that we recognized was a plan for how to parent, encouragement, safety, and financial relief. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have a parenting seminar here in the spring. There's a, some friends of ours up in Portland that wrote a book called Intentional Parents, and they've been doing this seminar for years now all over the nation. So they're going to come this spring, and we're going to put on a parenting seminar. And then we're going to do Brave Kids Care for free. So all of the extra events we do, like seek nights and and parties and all kinds of fun stuff. We want to keep kids care available for free so that there's nothing in the way of your family coming and being a part of what we're doing. And then also we're going to install a security system and we're going to create a fund for those in need. So we want to have a fund set aside so that when we hear about a need, we are ready to respond right away. And then we're going to look at our community. There are four types of poverty. Generally, when we hear the term poverty, we think immediately of financial and that is, that is a need. And so that's why we're creating the Those in Need Fund. It's why we're working towards affordable after-school care. And we're doing those things. But there's also three other needs that we need to be aware of. Three other forms of poverty. Spiritual poverty. Nine out of ten people in our region are not following Jesus. That's a lot of people. And so that's why we're doing Easter Fest, Orange Fest. All of these events that we do, it's not just because... We want to attract a bunch of people, and that's, that's great. Everybody's having a good time. But we want to build a bridge into our community that brings people up to this campus, gets them familiar, builds trust, builds relationship, so that they actually feel welcome when they're invited, and they feel comfortable coming to a gathering and hearing the gospel. And then significance. Many are driven by materialism without purpose and community. 50% of adults in the San Ramon Valley feel lonely and isolated. And so you can see this list of things here underneath this. And these are just some of the things. This doesn't represent everything that we're doing this next year, but this gives you an idea. And so one of the things that we talked about was an exterior makeover. So in our, in our culture and in our valley, people care about what things look like. And not only do they, do they care about what they look like and does that affect how they feel when they drive up to a place? Does it make them more comfortable? But it also is a representation of who we are. 
And right now, the exterior of our facility does not represent who we are. We are not a yellow building, <laughs> okay? And so I'm, I, we actually have a, a little surprise here. Just a few days ago, we got a rendering in. Just so this is a sneak peek of some of the stuff we want to do. But we got a rendering in of, of a permanent entrance for down by the road. You guys want to see it? All right, check this out. Isn't that pretty cool? So I was showing that to someone the other day, and, and uh, she said, it looks like our church grew up. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I thought it was good. So what we're going to do now, we're going to respond in, in generosity during this song, and we're going we're gonna to fill out our It's Personal cards. If you haven't filled one out, uh, what we're doing is we're giving our one-time best gift this December, and then we're spreading it out over three months, January, February, March. And so this makes it easier for some of us to be, to be more generous. That's this is what me and my wife are doing. Like, there's an amount we can give this month, but we want to give more. And the best way we can do that is spreading it out a little bit. And so that's what we're going to do. But there's one more thing. I'm going to invite the band to come out. Um, there's one more thing that I just want you to know before we worship together and give. Um, we will always have a vision gap. There will always be more that we could do and more that God could do through us than we have the resources for. We will, we will run out of resources way before we run out of vision. And I'll give you an example. Some of you may not know, but when we inherited this church building, we also inherited plans for the largest auditorium in the San Ramon Valley on the last buildable acreage for a church building. That'll go right here. Isn't that cool? And so with that, we don't need it right now. But we know there will come a day that we do need that space. And it, there's so much more to it. It's a, it's a master plan with larger space for kids and youth and everything and all these different ways. You know, we, we see this facility as a place to be a blessing to our community. And so with that, there's some revisions and things that will need to be done to the plans because the plans are like 10 years old. Uh, there's, there's things about it that are too costly and, and don't really make sense anymore. And so if more comes in, than what it requires to accomplish all of these things we're setting out to do this year, then there's things like that that we'll be able to start working on because it's gonna take some time. It's a process. If you've ever done a building project or interacted with um, a city, it, you gotta do a lot of praying and maybe a few stress balls. Uh, but it's a process and it takes time. And so if more comes in, there's things that we can do now to get ready for the future that we would love to do. There will always be more vision than what we have resources for. And so anyways, I want to invite you to stand with me. And this song that we're going to sing, the third verse of this song, I love what it says. This has been a prophetic message from God to our church that's been resonating in this season. It says, in every season, your grace has been enough. And I'm believing the best is yet to come, that the best is yet to come. 2018 was a banner year for our church, but the best is yet to come. So if you believe that, let's say that together. The best is yet to come. Let's worship. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Bay Area, we would love for you to join us at a Sunday gathering in San Ramon. For directions, gathering times, or information about our Brave Kids program, visit us at brave.church. Also, if you want to help support what God is doing through Brave, you can give online to the Brave Foundation at brave.church forward slash foundation.